Amen. Well, this is great. Last week we got uh, kind of weathered out. Whoops. And then we had a, a meeting on a special meeting on Saturday. Sunday. Sunday. Yes, it was Sunday in case you missed it because I said Saturday. <laughs> uh, but what I re- was hoping we were going to do is uh, last week is follow up a little bit on a teaching that Jen brought now two weeks ago, I guess, right? And uh, I got a, we Vicky and I were in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, and got to listen to the second half of it there when we got out of service. I've obviously reviewed it since then, and it was just fantastic. And and I want to tell you a little bit of testimony about my my own self and healing, and then I'm going to have Jim, Jen come up, and we're going to roughly present her her highlight points. Uh, how many of you were not here when Jen did that? So there's okay, good. We'll have plenty to talk about. Um, but I've, I, I learned something in, in both listening to you and in reevaluating and going through and reviewing and doing my own study in the last couple of weeks about it, that I had not made the connection with healing and Jesus and the kingdom the way I have on a lot of other areas of my life. And it was really exciting as I kept reading, kept reading, kept reading. So I'm going to read a couple of long passages to you guys tonight out of a New Testament translation by N.T. Wright called the Kingdom New Testament. Uh, and, it, and the only reason I'm choosing his is because it, uh, you know, sometimes when you read a translation you haven't heard, it just makes it sound fresh to you. If you read this, if, you've re- if you'd read this and, and somebody had been telling you about Jesus and that, and that not only can you follow him, but he could actually live in your life, he could actually exist in your life, and you could live in relationship to the people around you through you by being in your heart and guiding you. If you read these chapters by N.T. Wright, you would assume that praying for the sick and seeing people healed was just what he does. And I think it really is what he does. And I, I know that in, in a variety of ways in different places, I have been snookered into either thinking of it as a religious act or as a duty, or, uh, and this is probably the most damaging one that I ever slipped into, and it was a number of years ago, but I I remember vividly, coming under a kind of pressure to prove the level of spirituality that I had by doing something like healing and miracles. And that is so contrary to the way Jesus is. Uh, and, And one of the things we've learned here in the last little while is you don't really have to prove yourself to Jesus. He already knows you better than you know yourself. And in that full knowledge, he loves you, and he accepts you. So anyway, um, praise God. Jim, why don't you go ahead and come up, and uh, I'll give you this mic. Riley, are you going to be able to get both of us on the, on the camera? Yeah, there you go. Do you want to be closer to that? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, because okay. I'll be reading a little bit. But let me move this over just a little bit. Okay, now, that'll stay. Now you scoot over. We'll be good. So uh, here's what, what I want to talk about tonight. God's kingdom and healing. God's will and our kingdom opportunity to heal in Christ. And um, so this is uh, a review, thank you very much, of, of your foundation for healing as I heard them. So you're free to correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. And it's, it's kind of some highlights. Um, basically... What Jen did in the first part of her message was go through the the various aspects 
of God as it relates to healing. And then the second part, she talked about us. And so I concentrated on the first part tonight. So God's good. I mean, that's just a universal thing that we have studied and we've come to believe. But you have to associate that with the other questions that come up in life. When you're facing financial difficulties, when you're facing sickness, when there's an accident, when whatever, uh, that's not something... We're not constantly looking at things to try to determine whether God's good or not, correct? That's right. That's absolute. Okay. So if sickness is occurring, I need to uh, refute a thought that God has something negative to, to do with that. Right. I, can't, I can't make that conclusion. Absolutely. And so where do those thoughts come from? You do know, don't you, that not every thought that goes through your head is your own? Some of them are. But not everyone is. And, and, and this is just natural, too. I mean, for instance, think about this. You uh, have a friend who has a mutual friend. And you, you haven't yet met that third party. But your, your friend tells you something about them. Well, you have their thoughts in your head about that third party when you meet them. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so the first person to speak kind of gets it. So the possible sources of thoughts that God's not good are ours, rational reasoning, thinking, whatever, living a life of hard knocks, having all kinds of things, or it could be the enemy speaking, just literally whispering in your head, trying to, uh, uh, you know, and, and his conversations usually start like they started with Eve. God isn't, or God didn't, or God, <laughs> you know, God's not. And that's the kind of thing that comes from that. So we got to set that aside. And so the, in relationship to wholeness and, and wellness, you pointed out that it's his will and desire for everyone to walk in wholeness and health. Absolutely, every time. Okay. I agree. I can't think of any reason. Uh, I, and when you project what are images <laughs> of, of, of heaven, afterlife, eternal life, it's all about uh, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, it's all about living a life that's full like it was designed to be and not something that's hindered or sucked away by various other things like poverty and, and sickness and all that. Okay. Next one is that God is not the giver of sickness and accidents. And I know you're really passionate about this particular point. Uh, I didn't have time to write up there the whole kind of context of this, but it's it produces silly sayings like, uh, someone dies and the person says, God just needed another angel in heaven. That's, <laughs> that's not, yes. Uh, oh, actually, that reminds me of a story. Go ahead, though. No, I was just going to say, it's the spiritualizing that we do to explain things that it's not of the Lord, and it, and it just hurts people more. So I'm with you. I'm gagging on that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so he's he's not that, and especially not that because of because he needs somebody in heaven or has a special job for him or something silly like that. Uh, also, the next point was that God limits Himself, and uh, and I I don't. You talked about it, I think, but I was thinking about it, studying about it, and listening to some other stuff. Literally, the space that God makes by limiting Himself is to include us, and the demonstration of that is not only that we have ministries like healing and things like that, or preaching the word or whatever, but that that is the reason Jesus was sent and the Holy Spirit was poured out, was to empower us. to to, uh, In other words, we were estranged, and because of Jesus, we're not. We're back plugged in to the family, plugged into the work. We were alienated in our minds. Uh, we were 
wandering, not knowing, having to guess, figure out whatever the case is. So the Holy Spirit's been sent to uh, do that. So the very the, the whole of the gospel reinforces that point that God makes space for us to minister. Yeah, and I put that um, also because of the sovereignty teaching that many people have um, believed and been taught that God controls all things. And Larry's done some teaching on that too. And so I was just pointing out um, this is against that sovereignty thing too. God does not control uh, all things. So here's a way to think of that. Uh, to, to really nail it down in your mind so you're not vulnerable to that argument. God created Adam and Eve, and he commissioned them to be fruitful and multiply and to have dominion over the earth. Okay, If you remember reading in Genesis. And yet they fell because of freedom, and the dominion and the fruitfulness of the earth and everything uh, did not materialize the way God had designed it to materialize. As a matter of fact... God even had to put it under subjection, waiting for us to be revealed as sons of God. So it's not God's will that the land uh, failed to yield. It's not God's will that thorns and thistles are produced. That's a consequence of the commission and the space he made for Adam and Eve to have it. it, But the interesting thing about that is in spite of how severe that was, he doesn't give up on the plan. And that's what Jesus is all about. That's what we are coming into as sons and daughters of God and all that kind of stuff. Same thing goes with anything like that, really. Healing, preaching the gospel. Uh, if people choose not to or fail to or put themselves in a position where they, they just can't bring themselves to do it, there really is not uh, the witness of the gospel going out in that one little place that it would be if they were doing it. So it's he makes room for us to do his work. I don't think it means that he turns his back and just gets in a real distant deistic way because he's still going to roll his sleeves up just like he did with Adam and Eve and get in there and work with them. And so if you and I have been subject to that sense where we feel like maybe we've dropped the ball in this relationship to healing, that's what I was considering, you know, as far as getting in the wrong path or getting in the wrong mindset with it. That's as simple to change as just simple repentance. Just just change the way you think, you know, so that's cool. Now, uh, so here's a, a psalm that I just wanted to link this to. I think you mentioned Psalm 103. But bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. So the reason I picked this one to review is that's a description of what God does and who he is and how he thinks about us and how he acts about us. And so I want you guys to to all see the connection in this description of Jehovah's nature and action between forgiveness, healing, redemption, and rescue and reward. Each of those things is bound up in the in the work of Christ, and each of those things is connected to how God feels about us. And so if we're going to have confidence in God's forgiveness, and that was the point that you made, if we're going to have confidence in God's forgiveness, we can have an equal confidence in God's desire and uh, capacity to heal through us, uh, to redeem us, rescue us. And so on. Already a done deal. Mm-hmm. Not to be done. Already done. Already done. Right. Yeah. Already forgiven. Yes, absolutely, yep. absolutely, absolutely. And they're, they're linked together. So we we don't have the authority to take a description of God like that that says he pardons your iniquities, heals your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and kindness and glory. We don't have the right to separate out those into those categories of forgiveness, healing, reward, and all that, and to make different criteria for them. Mm-hmm. Or insert in God's heart some kind of false, different 
view. Okay, good. All right, so Jesus, Jesus reveals Father and demonstrates his will and finished work to heal. And so uh, Jesus was anointed to heal all, and in fact, he did heal all who came or asked or to whom he went. Now, it's a spurious argument to think that there were people that didn't get healed in Judea in the time of Jesus because Jesus was confined to that one space where he was ministering and so on. And that's why I think he said, even greater works will you do that I do because we're going to be multiplied and get out and carry that same thing. But everything that you see in the gospel where they came to Jesus, he didn't, he didn't turn anyone away mm-hmm. and there wasn't anyone who walked away not, not healed. That's, that, that's true. the point. Yeah. So going back to the uh, Isaiah passage, it speaks about Jesus. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, and I've got that here in just a minute. Uh, he has borne our sicknesses and pains, and you pointed out that depending on your translations, it could say something like iniquities or something else. Uh, but he's borne our sickness and our pain, our transgression and our affliction. And that's something I want to, to reinforce that point is, is that if we put our confidence in the forgiveness that God has um, given us through Christ, then we have an absolutely equal reason, based on scriptures like this, to put it, uh, our faith in, in the overcoming of sickness and all that. Same exact reason. And then regarding both sin and forgiveness and sickness and healing, Jesus' work is finished. And you made a good point of that, so you can reinforce that. Larry, can you move your mic just a tiny bit away? It's scratching on your stubble. Is it? Okay, there we go. Thank you. I thought that was just, you know, that my, my voice maturing, finally. <laughs> All right, so here's the Isaiah 53, 4 passage. And to skip the misconceptions about, well, is it iniquity or is it this or that? I went back to Young's literal for this particular one. So surely our sickness he has borne and our pains he has carried them. And we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God and afflicted. Uh, that would get us into a teaching on penal substitutionary atonement, which I won't go to. And he is pierced for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace is on him. And by his bruise, there is healing to us. I've got another little reference in a translation here. But I want you to again see the the, the emphasis of this point. He's borne our sicknesses and our pains. He carried them. And he was pierced for our transgressions. And that lends itself to the idea of the shedding of his blood, being poured out for forgiveness and all that kind of stuff. And then bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace is upon him. So uh, there was an aspect to the crucifixion including the whipping and the road to Golgotha and all that stuff that touched each of those areas of our life. Now, more familiarly, and this is one you referred to, if you look in the New American Standard, it says the chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging, we were healed. Uh, the scourging, of course, was the whipping and all that that went on before the fact. And then in First Peter, Peter later quoted this with a change. He says, by your wounds, by his wounds, you were healed. And you made a big emphasis that way, that it's an already finished work, right. a done deal. Because he's, he's died and he rose right. again, it's conquered. So that was after uh, the stripes, crucifix, uh-huh. And so all that was prophesied about him in Isaiah mm-hmm. was here on, the time, or here on the timeline. And then the event was here on the timeline. And then Peter spoke about it in the past tense here, and we live out here. Yes, and Matthew... Matthew quoted that in Isaiah as well. Mm-hmm. Matthew when, when all the eight. Uh-huh. I'm mm-hmm. going to read that in just a minute. So, okay, now how about the Holy okay. Spirit? That's the one I got plugged up in here. Cool. New. So, the Holy Spirit's life-giving work and guidance and comfort for us. Uh, Romans eight, uh, ten, and eleven is where it talks about Him quickening our mortal bodies and giving life to our mortal bodies. 
and he does that obviously as an expression of God's will. One of the things that we are learning, and we've got to be diligent about not letting happen, is when we start thinking about God as triune, we have a tendency to, if we're not careful, let ideas pit one person in the in the Trinity against another. And we have atonement models that do that. We have uh, healing expectations or unbelief that does that. We also sometimes now feel like the Holy Spirit's real close to us as a comforter walking alongside, really trying to protect us from having our feelings hurt by the way Father thinks about us or what Jesus demands of us. And it's just nuts. It's just nonsense. Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are never at odds with one another. And they, they do rally around, it seems, a lot of the will of the Father. He's like the or- originator of this great heart for humanity. And Jesus goes through everything, but then there's this almost a reversal of honor when Jesus has ascended because now he is ruling and reigning until, you know, until all these things come to place and the Holy Spirit's for that purpose. So uh, also the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. I think that's in John 16, you referred to that. And the thing I liked about that, and you can talk about that for a second, is that means that we're engaged in a process. Mm-hmm. It's not a snap your fingers, wave your nose, and it's automatically happening. So what, what does that mean? that the Holy Spirit is going to guide us into truth, especially in reference to what Jesus does? Well, he gives, he's, he gives revelation, and um, you know he does that on his word in bringing that truth to light. But he also guides us in our decisions. Um, I don't know if you want me to speak about that at no, all. You can, yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned when we talked about our role um, Sometimes the Holy Spirit might lead you to go ahead and see a doctor or take a medication. Or he may say, stand and believe me on this. And I I talked about um, to start small because so much unbelief tends to counter um, our faith when it comes to, you know, cancer and and, and things that are so lofty in our mind that we tend to make bigger. Um, it wasn't, you know, Jesus healed all disease, so it's it, it's not bigger from his standpoint. It's already done, but it's more what we're wrestling with. So um, it, he may lead you to go get go to the doctor. He might lead you to change your diet. He might tell you to to try this or that. He wants us well. He wants us to walk in fullness of healing, and if we're at a at a point where maybe we're we're just not at a place that we're um, able to just take it at face value, uh, you know, believe, receive, and and stand, you know, he may he might just be leading us so to do other things because he loves gonna, us and he's patient. Right. He's not going to punish us if we're right. if we're working through our unbelief. And there's a demonstration of that in Scripture there at the base of the Mount of Transfiguration. The Father said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Exactly. Jesus didn't rebuke the Father. Exactly. He healed the Son that's right. you know, in relationship to that. That's right. So, so that's, there's no condemnation, but you know, I can give you examples of different things. I did two weeks ago. I've had something since then where I asked the Lord what to do. Mm-hmm. And He told me. And... You know, it worked out. Right. So, and, and so what, that's part what, of the partnership it that is. we get and to do with him. Something so beautiful about that is I, I try to promote all the time when I'm talking to people, Christianity in its most basic form is learning to hear what Jesus is saying and then do it. 
first mm-hmm. believe it and then do mm-hmm. it. And healing is really no different than that. Mm-hmm. Although we do have this undergirding of the finished work. We have this undergirding of the, uh, the, the clearly stated attitude right. of God. That, that Jesus is many times, I am willing, or yes, I'm willing, or whatever the case is. So here was the, the Romans 8, 10, and 11 passage. This is out of the Kingdom Translation from N.T. Wright. But if the Messiah is in you, the body is indeed dead because of sin, but the spirit is life. And that was something you pointed out to me, is that we're not sick in our spirit the way we are in our body. We're not injured in our spirit in the way we are in our body. Mm-hmm. Because of covenant justice. Now, the, uh, I'll explain this a little bit. If you were to read that in New American Standard, it was said because of righteousness. Mm-hmm. N.T. Wright has spent his life trying to point out that it's not some abstract righteousness that we get in the gospel, but it's the covenant justice and faithfulness of God that that's the righteousness that has come down. His original intention, he manifests in Jesus and it's come to the earth. And so uh, it's not that we don't partake in that righteousness, but it's not, it's like everything else, it's not some kind of spiritual competition or spiritual work. It's, it's God's covenant righteousness being, embracing of us and so on. And so the assurance goes the same way. So then uh, the spirit of the one who raised the Messiah from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies too through his spirit who lives within you. So think about the relational aspects of this. His spirit who lives within you. This is not a gift from somewhere far away. This is a, a release of, of life and, and the vitality there. In the King James, it says, will quicken your mortal bodies. That's what the word there, give life, is. Now, I want to do a couple little interesting things with Greek on this. The first one up there that says, the first one up there that says uh, the spirit is the word life. That's zoe life, and that's contrasted against like bios, which is the other Greek word, which would be like just natural life. And so I was thinking when I look down here, it's zupoeo, oeo, zupoeo, is the give life idea. And I was thinking, oh, that must be like give zoe life. No, it's not. It means to make alive or to give or restore like a living being or like beast life. So this even reinforces the healing thing more, that the Holy Spirit will give life just to your body. It, it's not like a, it's not a super spiritual, it's not a super spiritual wrapped up with heaven kind of thing required for healing or that it is even healing. It's just plain, you're hurt, you're sick, he bore it. Get healed. All right. Now, the ramifications of these two things, uh, because of righteousness, I was listening to Joseph Prince as I was studying this stuff. And Joseph Prince stopped in the middle of his declaration of healing available and says that God has to have a foundation of righteousness in your life. And so, da, da, da. and it basically leads to his, his pronouncement about healing that it, it it's primarily for somebody who believes and has received that impartation of life in a justification kind of sense. But what what the, what it really says is no, is that the Holy Spirit, because you are alive with that honest, full-bodied spiritual life, the Holy Spirit's also willing to step into the naturalness of your flesh and give life to it too. So you don't have to be a spiritual person. You don't have to only pray for spiritual people or believers. God did what he did for all aspects of our life, including just the regular old life. I thought that was interesting. I'd like to learn more about it. I don't know that much. So here are some scriptures that I want you to to uh, absorb, and I'm going to read them. 
So the Matthew 8, you mentioned that. All right, so I'm going to read Matthew 8, yes, all the way through 10. Would you rather read? No, I'll read it. When Jesus came down from the hillside, okay, first, let's review these. I want you to note the natural flow of healing. This was the thing that kind of started exciting me. I want you to know Jesus' self-declared desire to heal. Okay, it's all in here. Note Jesus' joy over people's faith. Now, this is another one of those confusing things that I used to make. I made it a work. Like, is it my faith? Is it his faith? Is it your faith? Is it the faith of the person praying? If, if I pray and something doesn't happen, can I blame that person for not having faith? Or should I never consider that person's faith and only try to put it all on my faith? Those are all weird questions. Honestly, I don't think most of them need to be asked. If you go back to the fact that God's good, he wants people well, Jesus came, the work's finished, let's pray. You don't really have to consider those things. And you certainly don't have to start blaming and all that, feeling guilty over it and stuff. Do you agree? It depends how it depends how you're saying let's pray. I'm not asking God to do something he's already right, done. Right. Yeah, let, let's okay. pray for this guy's healing. Let, let's let's heal him. Yeah. I mean that's actually one of we're, the We're releasing it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, okay, there's a link between forgiveness and healing. But interestingly enough, forgiveness doesn't come first usually. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you'll see that. And then uh, there's an association and this is the point that I want to add to your mix that there's an association between the kingdom and healing. So, let me read it real quick. When Jesus came down from the hillside, large crowds followed him. Suddenly, someone with a virulent skin disease approached and knelt down in front of him. Master, he said, if you want, you can make me clean. Well, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. He says, I do want to be clean. At once, his disease was cured. Take care, Jesus said to him, that you don't say anything to anyone. Instead, go show yourself to the priest and make the offering which Moses commanded that will be proof to them. Jesus went into Capernaum. A centurion came up and pled with him, Master... He said, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed. He's in a very bad state. Jesus said, I'll come and make him better. I love the way. I'll come and make him better. And uh, um, I'll come and make him better. Oh, here it is. Master replied to Centurion, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Just say the word, my servant will be healed. I know what authority is all about. You know, I've got soldiers answering me. I can say to one of them, go, and he goes. Another one, come, and he comes. Another one. I can say, do this uh, to my slave, and he does it. Jesus was fair amazed when he heard this. He said, I'm telling you the truth. He said to the people who were following, I haven't found faith like this, not even in Israel. Let me tell you this. Lots of people will come from the east and the west and join the great party of celebration with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness where the people will weep, weep and gnash with teeth. And that could lead to another discussion, but we'll get to that later. Then he turned to the centurion, go home. Let it be for you as you believe. And the servant was healed from that very moment. Jesus went into Peter's house. Guess what happened there? I, I added that. There he saw Peter's mother-in-law laid low with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and waited on him. Wow. I mean, just, do you see how this just healing just is a big part of Jesus walking through life? Jesus went into Peter's house. There he saw Peter's mother-in-law laid low with fever. He touched her hand, and her fever left, and she got up and waited on him. When evening came, they brought to him many people who were possessed by demons. He cast out the spirits with a word of command and healed everyone who was sick. This happened so that the word spoken by Isaiah the prophet might come true. He himself took our weaknesses and bore our diseases. That's the part in reference to Isaiah 53. When Jesus saw the crowd all around him, he told them to go across to the other side of the lake. A scribe came up to him while he was just trying to get away and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And he said, Foxes have dens. He replied, 
Uh, and the birds in the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Master said to another disciple, let me first go see my father's funeral. Follow me, said Jesus, and leave the dead to bury their dead. So Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. All of a sudden, a great storm blew up on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. Jesus, however, was asleep. They came and woke him up. Help, Master, rescue us, they shouted. We're done for. Why are you so scared, you little uh, faith lot, he replied. Then he got up and told the wind and the sea to behave themselves, and there was a great calm. They were all astonished. What sort of man is this, they said, that the winds and the seas obey him? So he went across to the other side to the region of the Gadarenes. Two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs. They were very violent and made it impossible for anyone to go along that road. What is it with us? Uh, you, what is it with us and you, son of God? They yelled. Have you come here to torture us ahead of our time? Some way off where they were, there was a large herd of pigs feeding. If you cast us out, the demons begged Jesus, send us into the herd of pigs. Off you go then, said Jesus. <laughs> I just love the way he's translated. And this is not like somebody trying to make a paraphrase. This is probably one of the top two or three Bible scholars in the world. I mean, he reads and teaches directly out of the Greek. Off you go then, said Jesus. It just makes it seem like, it, yeah, simple and not so serious, not so scary, you know what I mean? Um, the herdsmen took to their heels. Then they went off to town and told the whole tale, including the bit about the demon-possessed men. So the whole town came to see Jesus for themselves. When they saw him, they begged him to leave their district. That was a bad choice, but it turned out later better, or better later. Jesus got into the boat and crossed back over to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Cheer up, my son, your sins are forgiven. This fellow is blaspheming, said some of the scribes to themselves. And Jesus read their thoughts. Why let all this wickedness fester in your hearts? I'll read that again. That's probably important. Why let all this wickedness fester in your hearts? I think that's what you were talking about when you were talking about you have to resist or dispose of or dispel thoughts about God's doing this, God's not good, all that kind of stuff. I think Jesus would do something like that. Since, uh, this fellow's blasphemy said some of the scribes to themselves, and Jesus read their thoughts. Why let all this wickedness fester in your hearts? He said, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But to let you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he spoke to the paralyzed man, Get up, pick up your bed, and go home. There's that linkage again. And Jesus saw it as one and the same. And he got up and he went to his home. When the crowd saw it, they were frightened and praising God. <laughs> I thought that was cool. They were frightened and praising God for giving authority like this to humans. Now that's an interesting... It's a huge point. Interesting point. Authority is to us. Yeah, yeah. And and that was because, again, we're not separating Jesus coming out. Jesus came to engage humanity. He came to draw us to himself. That's what the incarnation's about. So uh, uh, the crowd saw it. They were frightened and praising God for giving authority like this to humans. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax office. Follow me, he said, and he rose up and followed him. We was at home sitting down to a meal. There were lots of tax collectors and sinners there who had come to have dinner with Jesus and the disciples. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus heard them and said, It isn't the healthy who need a doctor. He said, It's the sick. Go and learn what the saying means. It's mercy I want, not sacrifice. My job isn't to call upright people, but sinners. And I don't want to make too big a deal out of that, but that to me seems like something we could pay attention to as we think about ourselves going out and healing and stuff. Uh, it, it, the sick need it. Learn what it says. It's mercy I want, not sacrifice. That was where I think I got in trouble back in, you know, eight, nine years ago, 
trying to, to, to strain to make this happen, trying to sacrifice to make it happen. Again, trying to measure my spirituality that way. Or others, I didn't do that too much, but I did mine. So anyhow, uh, my job isn't to call the upright people but sinners. Then John's disciples came to him with a question. Uh, how come, they asked, we and the Pharisees fast a good deal, but your disciples don't fast at all? And Jesus says, wedding guests can't fast, can they? Replied Jesus, as long as the bridegroom's with them. But sooner or later, the bridegroom will be taken from them. They'll fast all right. No one, he went on, sews a patch of unshrunk cloth into an old coat. The patch will simply pull away from the coat, and you'll have a worse hole than you started with. People don't put new wine in old wineskins, otherwise the skins will split. Then the wine will be lost. The skins will be ruined. They put new wine in new wineskins, and then both of them are fine. As Jesus was saying this, <laughs> so he's trying to get a little teaching in here. As Jesus was saying this, suddenly an official came up and knelt down in front of him. It's my daughter, he said. She just died. But if you'll come and lay your hands on her, she'll come back to life. Jesus got up and followed him. So did his disciples. Just then, a woman appeared. She had suffered from internal bleeding for 12 years. She came up behind Jesus and touched the hem of his coat. Do you see what I'm saying about just bang, 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 bang? He gets a nap in the boat while a storm's going on. Bang, two <laughs> demons. He comes back. Bang, there's more healing. It's, it's impressive. Uh, if I can only touch his coat, she said, I'll be rescued. Jesus turned around her and saw her. Cheer up, daughter. Actually, look at that word rescued, too. I'll be rescued. I'll be rescued from the bondage of the sickness. I'll be rescued from the doctor sucking my life and money away. I'll be rescued from the ostracization that goes on. It's a big deal. Healing's a big part of redemption and rescue. Uh, Jesus turned around and saw her. Cheer up, my daughter. He said, your faith has rescued you. And the woman was healed from that very moment. Jesus went into the official's house. There he saw the flute player and everybody in a great state of agitation. Go away, he said. The little girl isn't dead. She's asleep. And they all laughed at him. So when the crowd had been put out, he went in and he took hold of her hand and she got up. The report of this went out around the whole region. As Jesus was leaving the area, <laughs> two blind men following, followed him shouting, I'd never seen it feel this way before. I mean, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. A life. Yeah. A, a day in the life of a, Jesus. A day in the life of Jesus, you know, depending on how long it took him to get across the lake, maybe a day and a half. As Jesus was leaving the area, two blind men followed him shouting, have pity on us, son of David, at the tops of their voices. Jesus went into the house and the blind men came into him. Do you believe I can do this? Asked Jesus. Yes, master, they replied. Then Jesus touched their eyes and said, as you have believed, so let it happen. And he said, and their eyes were open. Then Jesus gave him a stern warning. Warning. Take good care, he said, that nobody gets to know about this. But they went out and spread the news in the whole of that region. First yeah, so you don't actually even have to be that good a follower. <laughs> you know? Then Jesus gave them, oh, sorry. And after they left, oh, after they left, okay, people brought to Jesus a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak. <laughs> Jesus cast out the demon, the man spoke, and the crowd was amazed. And they said, nothing like this has ever happened in Israel. They said, but the Pharisees said he cast out demons by the prince of demons. So then Jesus went around all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogue, announcing the good news of the kingdom. Now, that's the part I want you to hear also. Announcing the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. And then when he saw the crowd, he felt deeply sorry for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, there's plenty of harvest to be had, but not many workers. So pray the master of the harvest to send more workers to the harvest field. A point I want to make that, and then I'll get back to whatever you're going to say. Who here has ever read that verse, that the harvest field is ripe, pray that the uh, Lord of the harvest sends harvesters, and thought it was about healing? We almost all think it's about just evangelism, right? But it's in the context of this 
bam, 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 healing situation. And it was while he was preaching and healing. I think that the enemy has wedged a false separation in that area, in our thoughts. And it's one of those things we can repent of. What were you going to say? Oh, there was that point about Beelzebub mm-hmm. earlier, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't that a, a reference, thinking that, again, it's the devil? Yeah, he can't sit out by the, by the devil, or he does yeah. his stuff by the devil. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean modern day, yeah. it's back to uh, God doing God doing the evil doing to the you. Evil. Yeah, God absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, uh, cool. All right, so now what happens after this? Well, it goes immediately into chapter 10, and it says this. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. All right, so now our distance from this belonging to us, being us, being Christ with us, is being reduced by another whole step because he's now not just doing it himself. He's handing it off to the 12. It's huge. And if we were to go another chapter, which you guys, I'm not going to read a whole other two chapters, we would get where that was released to 70 other disciples of whom we don't know their name. What does that say? They're not important. No, they're not unique. <laughs> they're not unique. Sure, we could all say, well, yeah, but I'm not Peter, or I'm not, you know, uh, John. or you know, well, No, you're not. That's true. I know John, and you're not John. <laughs> That's an old political reference that dates me. Uh, but but this handoff to the disciples of this same responsibility is huge. And then their names are, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he sent them out and all of that. But the other only other thing that was a part of that was the same with the 70, is that he, he linked this. He said, go and say, the kingdom of God has come and heal the sick. The kingdom of God has come and heal the sick. The kingdom is near, heal the sick. So that's another one of those linkages for me that demands that this be an everyday normal part of our life because we are kingdom conscious believers. He's commissioned us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good morning. Good to go. How are we doing in time? We're almost out. Talk, it takes a long time talking about healing. I'm telling you. <laughs> so the Luke passage is shorter. <laughs> but let me read this to you. Um, okay. Uh, so this is the particular part I wanted to get to instead of reading through that whole thing in Matthew, which is pretty long. So Jesus called the twelve and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. He sent them out to announce God's kingdom and cure the sick. Announce God's kingdom and cure the, th- the sick. And so there's some Greek words about healing, but one of them... Is your first note saying, note that Jesus passed this on to the twelve? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's... Jesus passed it on. The other one is that healing and deliverance is a demonstration and declaration of the kingdom. And the last one is think through the way that Jesus was working with us. And so that's just one little thing coming up here. So anyhow, uh, he, they're to announce God's kingdom and to cure the sick. And then it, it says, so off they went and traveling through villages, announcing the good news and healing people everywhere. And then right on the heels of this in Luke, is starts in verse 10. It says, the apostles returned and told Jesus what they had done. And he took them off, and they went away privately to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowd found out, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed it. So this was the pattern that was a part of his ministry, period. And you'll know where the, you'll, you'll recognize in a second what this story is. It's about the feeding of the 5,000. Send the crowd away, they said, so that they can go into the villages and countrysides nearby. Find someone to stay and, and get them something to eat. We're in quite a lonely spot here. That's what the disciples said to him. And then he said, 
you give them something to eat. And they responded, all we've got here, they said, is five loaves and a couple of fish, unless you mean we should go ourselves and buy food for all these people. There were about 5,000 men and women and children. Get them to sit down, Jesus said, in groups of about 50. They did so, and everyone sat down. Then Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up into heaven, he blessed the food and divided it, and he gave it to the disciples to pass around to the crowd. Everyone ate. That should say 5,000 men plus women and children ate, or could say. And they were satisfied, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken bits left over. The reason I included that is the tension in, in uh, which I 100% agree with you, that it's a finished work and that it's not up to us to beg God to do it. But when we are in union with Jesus, he works with us in those things that he has provided. So in the Lord's Supper, even though he said, you feed him, and eventually they did feed him, he sort of surreptitiously got with them, blessed it, and gave it to them, and that was whatever happened, did it. So I think we can have, with this is what I'm trying to get, is that it's not a matter of, uh, Jesus is off somewhere else and he did this a long time ago. He's with us and when he sends us to heal, even in the Great Commission, he says, Lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end That's of the right. earth. That's right. The Holy Spirit is in us mm-hmm. and it's his power. Mm-hmm. It, we're just releasing it. Amen. We're the vessel of that. Amen. So, so you think that makes some sense, right? Mm-hmm. Good. Okay, so here we are. Uh, last one to read is in Acts. This is in Acts chapter 4. This is after uh, uh, James and John were arrested for healing the lame guy. <laughs> so they were healing him. And then it, uh, it's, this is the prayer that they prayed after they got out and were threatened by the Pharisees and everything. Sovereign Master, they said, you made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. And you said through the Holy Spirit by the mouth of our ancestor David, your servant, why did the nations fly into a rage and why did the people think empty thoughts? The kings of the earth arose, and the rulers gathered themselves together against the Lord and against his anointed Messiah. It's true, Herod and Pontius Pilate, together with the nations and the people of Israel, gathered themselves together in this very city against your holy child Jesus, the one that you anointed, to do whatever your hand and plan had foreordained to take place. So now, Master, look on their threats and grant that we, your servants, may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing so that signs and wonders may come about through the name of your holy child, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was shaken. Again, it's just a framework for understanding. We speak, we believe, we release, but Jesus is right there with us in the whole process. As a matter of fact, it's a manifestation of the kingdom. And that's, you know, so if you've ever wondered, like I have, so what does it mean, Lord, to release the kingdom, bring the kingdom? This is one of them. This is one of them. So the thing that caught my eye when you read was, I want to honor your call to start small and with the easier feeling things. So I want to, I want to encourage you guys. And, and so I'm, I'm actually going to ask you to do this. Get a notebook or set up something on your phone where you take notes and write out a healing list, things that are wrong physically with you or somebody you know and care for. And and uh, you can certainly write the big things like cancer or stroke or career on there, but what about little things? You know, like uh, well, like all kinds of little things. You use the illustration of a canker sore. Yeah, I can give you three different testimonies with it. I gave you I gave you two last time okay. and one since then. But, okay, well, but those are the kind of things yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah, you can start with. Uh, how many of you ever got a a, a boil <laughs> a boil type thing? You know, you know what I'm talking about. It's like a really zit on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I'm talking about stuff like that. I'm talking about waking up with a headache, or I'm talking about getting a scratchy throat when a cold comes on. And here's the thing. I believe healing goes on all around us. I also believe healing goes all around us naturally. Like, my skin's kind of thin now that I'm old. So when I bump something like that and make a cut, it's built to heal because I'm made in God's image, and and it's part of it. So don't discount any of those healings. But if we would write down just the little things, like, you know, um, this this canker sore feel like coming back or, I've got this headache, or oh, I feel something. What's going on? Ow, ow, you know, that kind of thing. If we would begin to write those things down and pray about them, I think we would be surprised, honestly surprised, because we're not aware of it. We don't keep track of it. We're not conscious of it. How many times the release of healing happens? So, how many of you would be willing to do something? Get a three by five card set, do something on your phone, just make your, make a list so you're conscious of things. Ronnie Wood, only one? Oh, there we go. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. I, uh, I, I encourage you to do it, not because I think the list itself is going to give you faith, and that's another interesting point you made. We operate on the basis of Jesus' faith, and then we either thwart that with unbelief or engage it with belief. So it's not really a matter of faith. I mean, everything the Bible teaches about faith is Jesus was praising the centurion because he saw great faith. And he was praising the woman who came to touch him for her faith. But the Bible also talks about if you have faith the size of mustard seed, tiniest thing going. So faith is not the issue. That's another thing that I'm really coming to grips with. Faith is not the issue. It's literally recognizing it, believing it, speaking it, stepping out. Um, you know, in, in other areas of faith, I think it says in Romans, toward the end of the, uh, uh, end of the book there in Romans, we believe, therefore we speak. So if you'll write down those things, speak to those things, and then just be conscious because you've got a list of tracking them. Go ahead. Yeah. Take authority and, and stand on it. So do we have time to give you this latest testimony yeah, or sure. no? Okay. So I'm going to just stick with the same problem. Okay. And I gave you two testimonies. Again, the small thing, but painful. Told you about the canker sore. Richard and I were going to go on a trip. I was really mad because we were going to go somewhere nice and I didn't want this weekend stolen and I couldn't understand why it wasn't going away. And I was speaking to it and I got intense about it and prayed in tongues and just stood firm like for a while. And then it it dissipated, took a day or two. And then I told you two weeks ago that I had one a few days before I was going to speak and spoke to it, and um, again, it didn't go away immediately, but within a couple of days it did. And I said that that time in between is what's so critical. When we don't see an immediate manifestation, it's easy to get discouraged and then just give in to it and think, it didn't work. And that's that's what we can be vulnerable to, and I want to just say no, we just we just continue to stand. We just continue to resist. Thank God that it's done, and and listen to the Holy Spirit if He's telling you to do anything. So now, a few days ago, I had a recurrence of that happening again. So I spoke to it. I said, "You don't belong to me. Leave my body. Pain go. Whatever's creating this recurrence, leave my body in Jesus' name." Didn't leave. 
Next day, I did the same thing. Um, third day, I'm like, Thanksgiving's coming. I want to eat. I don't want to be. So I was tempted, like I have this little remedy I can use. And so I asked Holy Spirit, should I go ahead and just take that little remedy? And he said, no, stand and believe. So I said, okay, I'm going to stand and believe. So, Lord, I just thank you that it's done. And uh, it, was, it was gone the next day. So I'm just talking about the process. Things don't always leave me immediately. But the process is so important and so important of resisting, of standing, of thanking God that it's done. And again, being open to the Holy Spirit if he, if he gives you some guidance, mm-hmm. you know, otherwise. So, so if, if you had prayed and, and heard from him, yeah, go ahead and put the medicine on. You would have done that with no guilt. Now, yeah, there was a time where I would have felt yeah, less yeah, than. Yeah, yeah. But but now I know he wants me well. And releasing it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was important for me to ask him mm-hmm. what he wanted rather than just doing it. Because mm-hmm. it, it was there. And then, um, yeah. and then again, it was like victory, building building my confidence again. Mm-hmm. Good. So. And, and so the, the idea that really struck me and the reason I want us to do a list type thing or something, or, or I'd like this, if, if you're married, I'd like you to practice this on yourself and on your spouse rather than suggesting that you really muster up a big, bold faith and we go down to the Oncology Center in Denver. Now, I'm not saying don't go to the Oncology Center, but I'm saying, why don't we practice? And why is it okay to practice a miracle? Well, all spiritual things like that are practiced. The Bible says that, you know, through diligence and practice, they have proven these things. Uh, I like what Andrew says about the gift of teaching. He says, it wasn't the same the first time I did it than after I'd done it and practiced. But it was the same gift. It was the same gift. It was the same calling. It was the same authority given to us. So I really just want to suggest that we take that seriously. And here's what I'm I'm saying. Jesus says, I'm willing. So say it with me. I'm putting words into his mouth, but I'm willing. Say it with me. Be healed. When we speak that way, to the things that we're facing or to something that somebody else is dealing with, we are you can trust we are saying it with Jesus, especially if you've got the protocol down where you're saying, all right, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? I want you to speak to this thing. I'll tell you a story. Unfortunately, it was a long time ago. I wish it was more current. But I had been wrestling with some of these things back in the day when I was really judging my own spirituality by this. And I, I had recently learned that uh, it there's a point to thanking the presence of Jesus, to, to being aware of that. You know, in other words, don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll guide your steps. So this little gal came up, and she had a, a big abscess in her mouth. And her friend was standing there with her. And I had just learned that. So I spent my first, I said, let's just, uh, let's just thank Jesus for being here with us. And so I'm thanking him, thanking him. And all of a sudden, I got a really strong sense, like he was about halfway in me, standing next to me that close. And this little gal is handing there. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going, oh, I'm like real excited because I'm conscious that Jesus is here. And then I felt him whisper in my heart, you do have to tell it to go. Mm-hmm. And so I reached up and I said, abscess, go in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And she goes, it's gone. I mean, it was a big thing. She could stick her tongue in. And, and so that was revitalized. That, that moment was revitalized in me in this way. And that's what I mean by this. Jesus is saying, I'm willing. Okay. So he says, I'm willing. Say it with me. Be healed. 
That's what I'm asking us to do. And practice on some little things and jot them down. I'll tell you what. When it happens a couple of times, it'll change the whole way you're moving, the whole way you're thinking. Yeah. I like I like the idea that um, we're partnering with Jesus, with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also gives you the opportunity to listen. It does. <laughs> and interact. Because a lot of times we, I know that I have in the past... Uh, haven't really taken the time to listen. Mm-hmm. Take the time to hear, God, are you saying something different? Is there something that I'm not aware of that I should be doing? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just, it also helps, it also encourages when you, when you receive something from Him and you <laughs> engage in whatever He said and you go, wow, it, this that was is, easy. He's really real. Yeah. You know, he's yeah, really he real is. in my life. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. The other thing that this whole process does, Richard, uh, is why I, why I wanted to read out of this translation. Uh, I know I was in, I was all bunched up trying to heal. And the way Jesus said, when this, these demons said, there's a herd of pigs over there. If you're going to do something, send us there. Oh, well, off with you then. I mean, it was so easy. Mm-hmm. Healing takes us into the realm of a lot of personal pain, a lot of fear, a lot of unbelief, a lot of um, question after question if somebody's you know going on or a loved one's sick or something. The more that we can... I, I don't think Jesus is anxious about those things. And the more that we can take that process, listen to him, partner with him, even pick up, Lord, how does... Like my little question, how does this look to you? Uh, well, I, you know, I think it's easy. <laughs> yeah, well, there, there's a truck sitting on their head. Well, I still think it's easy, <laughs> you know, if we could ever get to that point. Uh, the other thing I just want to remind you about is that day in the life of Jesus in the pace with which he was confronted with the work of the enemy, mm-hmm. sickness. Uh, it just shows me what his heart is all about and, and how we could do it. Any other questions or testimonies or anything? We're not going to do declarations today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stay on this topic next week. And what I want you guys to be thinking about is the ability for us to um, make declarations. Now, not decrees. Because decrees have already been made concerning healing. We want to build on the decree and make a declaration that comes literally out of our mouth. I am or we will or Father, we declare that we are. And it'll be the, it'll be the, like we have when we have ascensions, it'll be the affirmations into this realm, into this world, into this air of the realities of these things. So be thinking about that and we're going to look a little bit deeper into a couple of these things and then do that. Make sense? Okay, it's time to go. I built a bridge out there so you don't have to walk in the ice. That was brilliant. That was cute. It was cute. Richard says it's cute. <laughs> we'll put some flowers on it and a couple of little lights and things. It'll be all right. Well, Father, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to back up and see if I can get there quick. I want to thank you for who you are described as. Thank you for being the one who pardons all our iniquities, for being the one who loves us and heals all our diseases, for being the one who redeems our life from the pit 
and who is carrying rewards with you as you crown us with loving kindness and compassion. Thank you that healing is in your heart, Lord. It has always been. Healing, wholeness, and wellness is what we were designed for. The fall introduced some alternatives, but they're temporary. Your will is permanent. So I thank you for that. We acknowledge that it is your desire that we be well. And we acknowledge that as Jesus was sent, so are we. And we just looked at a day in the life of Jesus. So I pray that you would open our eyes to the opportunities to speak, to listen, and to speak healing. And that you would give us the courage, Lord, because I know that if there's a resistance to making a list or keeping a list, it's because we don't want to be disappointed. And I just come against that accusation and fear in the name of Jesus. Hope does not disappoint. We will not be disappointed because you are our healing. In Jesus' name, amen.